0: You are now listening to Alley Podcast. I am your host, Portia D. Hey Saints, welcome back to the Portionality Podcast. I am here with another comedian, another comic from the New York area, and I'm super excited to have him here. But before I introduce him, I want to note that we are on location at the Christ Center in Harlem, at the Transfiguration Church. And so I'm super excited to be here. This is actually a church from my friend, Kevin Vandiver. And so we wanted to just shout out Kevin Vandiver for allowing us to use his space. And so the Christ Center Harlem is a nine month year old church plant that is progressive affirming, affirming <laughs> with a good short worship. So y'all know how, y- y'all know I like short sermons, short, simple to the point. And Kevin is very short and he gives you some good worship. You Y'all. So if you need a word, you want some good-centered preaching around social justice, then you know, feel on free to come on down to Christ Center in Harlem. They feed the community, they clothe the community, they make sure that Christ is at the center. So come on out. Uh, you can plug them in on social media. Christ Harlem website is Christharlem.org. I'm gonna leave that in the description box. But without further ado, on the show today, I have Jamal Richardson Yes. here. Yeah. <laughs> hailing all the way from the south side of jamaica queen
1: yeah south sally outside
0: yes he is a member of comedy ish Productions.
1: shout out to the crew
0: yes you've heard me talk to drex clemens you've heard me talk to ishmael gainer and now i have jamal on the show you can find Jamal. He's been featured at Eastville Comedy Club, Greenwich Village Comedy Club, which is where I saw him the very first time where he intercepted me on the street, Broadway Comedy Club, Shrine every Sunday in Harlem. You can find him at Shrine Harlem for the Brown Sugar Comedy Brunch, right? Yep. All right. And he's been in comedy for over 10 years. Well, 10 years. You just celebrated 10 years. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. And so we're super excited to have him here. And so um, without further ado, Jamal Richardson. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I applaud myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if you can't get hype about you, who else will? I don't know. All right. So, Jamal, 10 years in comedy. You just celebrated 10 years. So, tell us a little bit about that journey for all the saints. So, saints, you know, if you got to grind, you got to hustle, you got to dream, you better go for it. And so, Jamal's going to help us today. So, 10 years in comedy, Jamal. Tell us about that.
1: All right. So, 10 years ago, I was 19 years old. I'm 29 now. I know, black don't crack, beige don't age. Oh my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I get the sneaky
0: suspicion we're about to crack up this whole episode? We
1: are. Um, but nah, I started 10 years ago. The year was 2008. The internet was still kind of new. Social media was new. I had no idea how to get into comedy. So I just went on Craigslist, found the Craigslist ad. It was like, hey, we're looking for comedians. If you could bring people, come through. And I was like, all right, cool. He sent an email. He emailed me back. And then showed up to the show at Eastville Comedy Club. And then all these pro comics go up. I watched all these people from, like, Comic View and Comedy Central and MTV do, like, they just smashed the whole night. And I'm sitting in the front row trying to be a superstar. Like, I had shades on in the comedy club. Like, I looked ridiculous. And then the host of the show, good guy, he... Uh, The guy who was putting on the show, his name is Chris Jonesy Jones. And uh, I'll never forget it. He was like, hey, what do you want me to say about you? And I was like, first and foremost. Oh, I had a stage name back then, too. I didn't go by my real name. Oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, my name is Jay Hood. I'm from Jamaica, Queens. And it's my first time. And his face just dropped. He was like, uh, okay. All right, we're going to do this. (laughs) And then he put me up there. And then... I forgot how much time I was doing. It was like eight minutes, but it felt like a lifetime. And I can't tell if people were being nice afterwards. They're just like, you you didn't say it was your first time. We wouldn't have known. And I was like, stop lying. Like, that was trash. Come on, guys. You guys are being really nice. And then uh, that's how that's what kicked it off. Like, I was addicted. Like, I felt like I did. Comedians are weird because we always feel like we did like the worst set of our lives, even though we just made some people laugh. But in that same moment, I was just like, but I love this. And then it just kept going from there. Well, he put me on a couple more of his shows. And then I started doing shows with uh, this lady. Her name is Sheba Mason. She's Jackie Mason's daughter. Mm. She produces a lot of shows in the city. So I started doing shows with her. And then I just kept finding people who just let me anywhere and everywhere that would give me stage time. I was still in college back then, too. So I went back to college. So that kind of like. Cut it Because in Virginia There's like Nowhere To do comedy Because so I was always, always, like Trying to do it In my dorm room Then You know Situations happened Had to come back To Had to come back From college College was kind of Put on hold So I was like Alright cool College is on hold So Time to pick back Comedy back up Then We just well, Who's we Me, myself, and God uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just just kept going anywhere anywhere that would let me up. I'll just keep going and going and going. Uh, I'm not a prototypical comedian. I hate open mics. Hmm. That's weird. I always thought open mics were weird because I always wanted to know if I was funny or not. And open mics is mostly like just other comedians, and they're just focused on their jokes. And so you don't really get real feedback. And I like feedback. And I like immediate like validation. Is that the word? Yeah, I'll say that. I'll say that.
0: Affirmation, valid. validation.
1: Yeah. And Critique, yeah i just i just i like that i really like critiques and feedback so i was like nah so there's another thing in our industry it's called bringer shows. so like you have to keep bringing people in exchange for stage time some comedians hate it but that's all i was doing back in the day because i was just like hey it's a real crowd i might as well if i gotta bring people then so be it and then did that for a few more years and uh started working eventually because i was like man i Let's backpedal let's back a little bit. I thought comedy was going to pay immediately. <laughs> I was like...
0: Listen, you were preaching to the choir. Anybody was, in ministry will tell you we thought ministry was going to start paying the <laughs> bills until we realized how hard it is to get a job. Yeah.
1: So, hmm, keep I on, was keep like, I was like, I'm funny. I'm going to get on this stage in like a year or so. I'm going to be on. And then a like year passed and I was like, man, I need a job because I'm not in school and I got to help mom pay rent. So... <laughs> Started working. That's when I started retail. Then you quickly learned that it's hard to follow your dreams and pay bills because the bills don't care about your dreams. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Y'all can't see this, but she is like praying to God right now, like, He is talking the truth. <laughs> Oh, it's
0: like looking in the mirror.
1: God, I thought I was the preacher. And then this comedian comes on my podcast and starts preaching.
0: Listen, you have no idea. Oh, my God. I'm crying. Okay, we're going.
1: Uh, So I started working, 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 working. Eventually, this is where, like, my journey kind of, like, kind of, like, it made me, it built character. That's what I'm going to say. Because you start working and then work starts taking precedent over your dream and then you're like oh man I guess I gotta quit the dream cause you know you don't, we don't wanna be out on the streets and then and you know my mom has lupus so I was like okay she can't really work cause she's on disability and yada 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 I'm like alright cool so I put work was my priority at first and then I realized man life sucks without comedy mm. so I I'd find like little ways to like get back into it so it would be like, work, 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 work. And then, like, once every two months, I'd find a show, get on that show. But, like, I'm going to say this. Let me just let people, let the listeners know this. Like, just because you're not doing a thing doesn't necessarily mean that you can't work on it at the same time. Because mm-hmm. I would be in the mirror every day just, like, making myself laugh. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. And I don't remember the jokes I used to do. But, like. Every day I would tell jokes to myself and then I'd close my eyes. I'm like, okay, if I can picture myself telling this joke to a crowd and I feel like my imaginary crowd thinks it's funny. Then when I get on the stage, I'm going to make that real life crowd laugh. And then for the most part, it worked for me. So, yeah. So work, 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 work. Some stuff started uh, started lining up uh, to from 2010 to 2012, I used to host a, a music showcase. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Underground Artists Live. And uh, that's where I really started to, like, grit my teeth a little bit. And then they had their final show in fall of 2012. So that was but that was cool. And then immediately after that, so I had all that momentum from doing uh, the, the showcases and whatnot. And then 2012, we were living in... We lived in Rockaway Beach and then Hurricane Sandy happened and then me and my whole family, we lost everything in the hurricane. Yeah, I'm sorry to spring that on you.
0: <laughs> no. Wow. Oh, my God. No way. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Sandy was the worst. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Sandy. Sandy was the worst. And it took a lot of us to recover. Yeah. Um, The worst that happened to us was like a tree fell. But like it didn't damage anything. Like oh, it just fell.
1: Must be nice. So,
0: <laughs> I mean, but it just missed my car. Um, for those who, who know me know I used to have the gerbil. Um, you know. That's my, that was my little Toyota Yaris, and the Gerbil almost got you know taken out because of a tree, but it survived. Praise God, um, all that good stuff. But yeah, so you say you um, y'all lost everything.
1: Mm-hmm. We used to wow. live in the. We, we lived in Rockaway Beach, and we lived in like this. Uh, it was like a basement apartment, mm-hmm. so, and then our house, the way it was geographically located. It was like the beach was right here. Our house was in the middle and then the peninsula was right behind it. Mm-hmm. So when the hurricane hit, like both those bodies of water just kind of met. Mm-hmm. And uh, fun story. Uh, we did not evacuate. No. <laughs> so I was there for the whole thing.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. My landlord lived on the third floor. So like we ran up like Mr. Ola, let us in, let us in. He was like, come up here. <laughs> so we spent the night in his in his apartment. Uh, we just like, we salvaged whatever we could. And then the next day, after everything subsided, we went back downstairs. And it was like, yeah, nah.
0: Now, wow, so you were homeless.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow. Jamal, you've lived through a, a natural disaster tragedy. Yeah. That trauma. Yeah. That trauma. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so given that you've experienced that... How has that like fueled your passion and like on you the rest of your journey in comedy? Like how was that like a turning point for you and just carrying that?
1: Yeah, you know it's like you learn what's really important in life when mm-hmm. you lose everything. Wow. Cause like you realize that all this material stuff, it doesn't matter. Like you can you can lose like I lost everything. I lost my PlayStation. Like I'm, i I love my PlayStation. Like y'all don't know. Like a PlayStation to a guy is like sacred, and I lost that. But like, but I still had my brother, and I still had my mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, those are irreplaceable. Yeah. And then, and then we, at the end of the day, we like we we started life with the three of us, and and in that moment, we still had the three of us. So we're, like, we're like this. Uh, but. It's funny, like, in the meantime, like, we're waiting. Everybody in Rockaway is waiting for help to come or whatever. So, like, I'm talking to people in my neighborhood I've never talked to before. Mm -hmm. Because that happens. Like, hey, you got lights on? Nah. You got lights on? Nah. Yo, I'm trying to fry up this food in my freezer. You want some food? Like, all right, cool. I'm going to eat. Um, (laughs) But there was a moment in that time frame where, like, everybody on the block was like, oh, wait, I heard you do comedy, right? And I was like, yeah. And I was like yo just do something and i just put on a show for like the whole block and then everybody just forgot that they were struggling for like 10 minutes and and that was really like the moment where i realized like yo this is this is what i ha- this is what i'm meant to do this is what i have to do because mm. this is a it's a gift like anytime you can make people forget yeah That they're going through some stuff. And it was therapeutic for me, too, because I forgot Mm
0: -hmm. that I was
1: going through something. And then that's when my writing started changing, too, because I used to just do, you know, random jokes from my head. And then that's when I started to transition into storytelling and more personal stories. I'm like, if I can use my life to make someone laugh and then someone can relate to it Mm -hmm. and then forget what what they're going through, then it's all worth it.
0: Wow, you just said something, um, and I kind of got a little emotional as you were like talking. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Um, you know, when you were talking about um, your family, how it was like your mother, you, and your brother, and it was just the three of you. That took me back to a time that I will not share on the show, but um, but I, I might share with you offline. Um, but
1: woo, okay, pause. Take your time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. See. Okay.
0: Um. Okay. Okay. Thank you for saying that. It kind of brought me back. Okay. In hearing you share that, it made me kind of think about um like my journey as like a pastor, like as a preacher. Mm -hmm. Um. A lot of times, our best sermons. So, so sometimes my best. Material comes out of our own personal experiences and our struggles. Um, Literally, like, when we pull from those dark places, when we pull from those experiences that we may or may not want to talk about or those experiences that cause us some trauma where we literally lost everything and and it pushes us to a place where we're a little bit more grateful and we understand what life really is about, um, those are our best moments. And... I just gotta like tip my hat off to you like I had no idea before we like we had a pre-talk before our um conversation saints and Jamal did not share this stuff with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was not ready cuz I was like oh you know talking about your journey's like oh you know Got in a comedy. Oh, well, you know, you know, I perform in some clubs. I'm like, well, tell me your story. And he's going to wait till I press record to share all this. Oh, my goodness. Okay. He's messed me up. Um, I'm, I am. I'm I messed up. Okay. I apologize. No, don't apologize. <laughs> no, being raw and authentic is important to this show because you don't know, like, who you could be helping. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm at a loss for words That's like an impossible thing yeah. to do And I have show notes sitting in front of me Okay.
1: Long story short uh, her, Sandy happened that October, November-ish We were homeless until like February But it was, I say it's Technically homeless because God was looking out So FEMA came, paid for a hotel It was kind of like an upgrade It was like hotels on Madison Avenue and 5th 12th floor Yeah, it was lit I did not have to pay rent for six months. I could stag my money. I, Sally Mae lost my number. So I didn't hear from her for six months. But then as soon as we moved into the new house, I get, that first phone call rang. Like, Jamal, where's my money? I was like, oh, dang, she found me. Um, <laughs> 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 that, was a, that was the experience. That was still recent. Like Hurricane Sandy was like, 2012 it was only about like six years ago so yeah
0: so i'm saying that was the year i graduated college like i thought i was you know cool um yeah like i had just started yeah like i had just moved back home
1: yeah but then you know you still even in that like we were living in the hotel and i still found shows to perform on comedy was always there for me so i feel like i have to i need to be there for comedy so kept working kept working Quit. then i quit my old job started my new job opened up some time Earlier this year, I ran into Ish, mm-hmm. and then we we hit it off Im- immediately. Like I did his show, like I'm, just, just like the past ten years, just scrambling for any stage time, and he was like, "Can you bring somebody?" I was like, "Yeah." Didn't bring anybody, but <laughs> 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 and I saw it in his face. He was like, "God, I don't have enough, enough comedians. I'm still gonna put them up, but I don't want to." But then I went up there and I'd like I killed that night, and then. I asked him if I can do another show. He was like, yeah, but you got to bring people. I brought people to that one because I like him. And then killed at that show. And then after that show, he was like, hey, Jamal, you're a nice guy. You're funny as heck. And uh, and you're positive, which I like. So you mind joining my team? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I like excessive stage time. Yeah, I'll join the team. <laughs> it's been good since then.
0: Wonderful. Oh, my goodness. You said something that I think was a gem. Um, You know, I like people dropping gems for the crown. So you said comedy was there for you. Now you need to be there for comedy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean?
1: So since I didn't have... Since I wasn't, like, available to get on stage a lot in my younger, formative years in comedy, I feel like now, like, especially since after 10 years, if you're not doing nothing, everybody's looking at you like, so what are you doing? Why Why haven't you quit yet? So... Now I feel like, all right, I'm in, I joined this team. Comedy, comedy was therapeutic for me. It helped me get through all the, all the rough times in my life. So now I need to help build the industry to be better now. So now I need to be there being funny, but also when we're doing a comedy-ish, we're trying to like build a platform for people of color in comedy. So once Ish told me that, I was sold. So I was like, all right, cool. I have an opportunity now to not only be a part of a team, but to better the but to better my people and the culture that we have and then build which could potentially build more black comedians in the future, which is just super dope. And I'm just like, sign me up. I'm there for it. Let me help comedy ish be a success. It's going to help me be a success in the long run. And it's gonna help other people be a success. Which is dope.
0: Yeah, I I gotta admit, like comedy ish is legacy building, right? And that was the, one of the first things. Like, so after I had my encounter with you intercepting me on the block, you know, then um, Mono jumping in front of me, Ishmael was explaining to me what comedy ish what is. Mm-hmm. And when he was just like, you know, it's uh, we're comedy, like we're comics, we're all black, and you got to come check us out. There's not very many all black comedy troops, and I'm like, really. And I'm just kind of like, huh, all black, huh? I'm like, hmm, okay, not well tell me more. You know, and I became very interested because anybody who knows me, I'm like super pro-black, pro right? Super, like super, super, super. Like
1: She's got her like, fist up right now, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, catch me any given day, you know, I'm like super decked out in like African garb. I'm not, I'm not wearing any African today, but like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know for the most part um so i was just like wow like okay i need to support this and like you were saying it's not just about you as a comedian but it's also about the community building it's about the fellowship it's about putting people on putting each other on bringing one another into this community into this space and then also to leave something behind for the next comics who are coming up behind you right exactly um and so um what is the comedic landscape like right now
1: oh uh, right now comedy is hot right now like everybody's looking for comedy which is kind of why we want to take advantage of that and build like this platform for people of color right now but yeah you could you could especially here in new york you can find comedy anywhere good or bad like <laughs> <laughs> it is everywhere <laughs> Once it's like that's the steps. Once they gentrify a neighborhood, they build a Whole Foods, they build a Starbucks, and then they start moving in comedy. Ooh, like, it sounds
0: like down the street? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, comedy is hot. That's I don't know. I wonder if comedy is going to reach an apex soon, like it did in like the late '80s, early '90s, hmm. or even in the early 2000s. Like comedy keeps going up and down, up and down, but. Right now, it's hot. Like everybody, with social media being the the way it is right now, everybody has comedy at their fingertips, and they're looking for they're looking for ways to laugh, and they're looking for somebody to make them laugh. Hmm. So that's why I'm here.
0: Yeah, that's why you're here. <laughs> so um, who are some of your favorite like comedians? Who are your favorites, like your inspiration? Like who is like, I want to be just like them or doing what they're doing? Like that passion, that drive mm. you have. Like who Like who do you see with remnants and pieces of your own passion with inside of them that makes you want to just keep going?
1: Richard Pryor.
0: Yeah. Off the top of my head. Uh-huh.
1: Chris Rock.
0: Oh, he's my fave. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the original Kings of Comedy. So Cedric the Entertainer, yep. Steve Harvey, DL Hughley, Bernie Mac, R.I.P., Eddie Murphy. How did I forget Eddie Murphy? Like, those are, like, my top guys. Like, once I saw them, like, with <clears throat> the original Kings of Comedy is the first stand-up special I ever saw. Chris Rock is the guy who made me, like, okay, this is fun. And then once I saw Eddie Murphy Raw, I was like, I can do this. hmm and then I, then I ran into Richard Pryor and the rest of them. I was like, yeah, this is a good art form.
0: Yeah, all of the ones who you just named <clears throat> are the comedians that I study as a preacher. Um, one thing that my mentor, um, OM3, Otis Moss III, for all y'all who know um, OM3, Um, He says, Portia, if you want to be a better preacher, study the comedians. And I said, really? He's like, because they'll teach you the art of storytelling. They'll teach you how to improv and to just pick up. If you mess up, you just know how to, like, you'll be on beat. And he's taught me about how, like, listen to how they prepare. If you're prepared with your material, there's nothing that can't happen in the congregation that can throw you off because you're so invested Mm -hmm. in the moment. And so... I was just like, wow. And so um, just kind of hearing that and just listening to him, um, and and then I started studying the comics, I can tell you it has taken my own preaching to just like another level. So when he just kind of dropped that tidbit um, for me, and I would say, y'all, all the preachers who listen, take that for your own, you know toolkit put in your toolkit um, because for real I think something happens when we start looking at comedians there's a, they're telling stories and mm-hmm. they're powerful stories and they're looking at the now <coughs> um, and so there's two things I want to go in that direction but the first um, you said with the comedic landscape you said anybody can be a comic now mm-hmm. with, with the use of social media um, with the use of just you know all kind of different technologies and what have you um, you do these videos <laughs> <laughs> and I saw this one recently that you just posted not long ago about peanut butter jelly, um, you know, put it in your belly, something I don't know the words, <laughs> but, you, but you know, it was kind of like this like smooth moment you was trying to do. Like, and I was like, what is Jamal doing? <laughs> um, and you had like these shades on and your hair was like out. So for those who do not know um, Jamal Richardson, um, And when you follow him on social media, you will see he has this gorgeous mane of hair that's like, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, just lathered with like Shea Butter Brilliance, just like growing out of his head, you know, just all kinds of just Cantu Shea Moisture, you know, mazani situation going on. Um and so he-
1: hashtag that Shea Butter Brilliance.
0: <laughs> shea Butter Brilliance, you know, and so he's got all this glorious hair, and so his hair was just out and he has these shades, Jamal, you got more hair than me, you know, and I ain't mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always cutting mine, but um, yeah, and so he was just going in, you know, talking about peanut Jelly. I was like, what is he doing? So these videos, like, talk about these videos that you do. Uh
1: so I love music. Like music is big in my family. like My mom sings, my uncle sing. Oh,
0: interesting. Yeah. I call from my family musicians, but keep going.
1: Yeah. My uncle used to play the drums for uh what's her name? Uh Sheila E. Get out!
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So music is heavy in my family, so like I love music, so and I grew up in the choir in church, so I was like, you know, I I like to combine comedy and music together, and uh, you know, I'm a good I'm a good songwriter, sort of. So I was like, but all the songs I'm inspired to write are about food. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be in my house and I'll see something, I'll be like, hey, that's I'm gonna write a song about lasagna or spaghetti, and then eventually I was like, you know what? Maybe we have social media now, so. Let me just start recording these songs, and if they catch on, they do. If they don't, they don't. I'm having fun.
0: So can you do one for us?
1: All like right. a song. Uh, okay. Spaghetti, I know off the top of my head, because I sing it all the time. I love spaghetti. And so it starts off with, girl, come in and take a seat. I know that you need to eat. I got spaghetti, girl. Take as much as you need. I know what I got to do, girl. Get you in the mood, girl. You need some food. You looking so cute, girl, the way that you chew, girl. It's just me and you and what we eat in spaghetti. 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 Spaghetti covered in cheese. Parmesan cheese. Spaghetti covered in cheese. Parmesan cheese. It's just you and me, girl. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You gotta hit the high note. <laughs> <hit> the high <laughs> note. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, you're hilarious. Okay. <laughs> oh, you need a show. Um, <laughs> somebody call on. Tell Oprah we got a comedian who needs a show. Besides making videos, you also like write, right? You mm-hmm. know, you do stand up writing. Um, what's that process like?
1: So, I get up in the morning.
0: I'm glad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because God woke me up. Um, and nah, honestly, like, I'll just get random thoughts throughout the day, and then I hope I remember to write them down. Or, like, if um, if I'm really going through something, like, the whole Hurricane Sandy stuff, I was writing every day. Like, I, like so today, this is how I felt, and da 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 this is what I thought about. And then, but when I'm writing deep... Really inner inner thoughts like that like it doesn't come out funny usually so I just kind of like come back to it later once I get over it and then I can be like okay boom like oh and then I'll read it like like it's not me who wrote it and I'll start roasting myself and then I'll be like aha, yeah I'll insert stuff here and there and they're like oh yeah, that's funny yeah pick it out or sometimes I'll literally like I wrote a joke in the shower once like. <laughs> It just sometimes it just comes to me like one. I wrote a joke about how the about how the if people if you go to any church in America, black church or white church is the same portrait of Jesus hanging up in the church. No, just it ain't. just different, just different colors and hair textures. <laughs> and I wrote that that thought came to me. I was sitting in the middle of church in the middle of someone preaching and I was like, oh, that's funny. And it was like, "Huh? what was that child? I was like, none. And then <laughs> I went home and wrote it down It turned out to be one of the best jokes i ever wrote.
0: Ahead, jamal so i want to ask you something a little bit more serious right so you know there's so much stuff going on in the world there's so much stuff going on in people's lives you know between drama and trauma you know all that good stuff or not so good stuff um so how do you use comedy as a platform for social awareness like how do you uplift the social concerns of our community within comedy and do you think that's necessary
1: I do think I think it's absolutely necessary. And I think comedy is the perfect art form to kind of raise awareness about certain things, because like even if you think about like just stuff Chappelle's talked about in Chappelle's show, like Mm -hmm. we we were like we were younger, but like you still remember it. Like people remember stuff that's funny. They don't remember like serious talks like you don't remember your parents chastising you about not cleaning the house all that much. Yeah I do. <laughs> that's because we got beat.
0: <laughs> you
1: remember you remember a good butt whipping. <laughs>
0: uh, my mother's black.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like you don't okay, you don't remember this and when you're in school, you don't pay attention to the serious teacher. You pay attention to the cool funny teacher. And that's essentially what comedians are. We're the cool funny teacher. Mm. So it's our I don't want to say it's our responsibility per se, but like if we wanted to, we could teach and then make you laugh at the same time. And the pill is easier to swallow when you're laughing. It's like I talk a lot about being biracial or light skin in America. And then Mm -hmm. and my racial identity growing up, like it's confusing because you're too light to be black, but you're too black to be Spanish. But you're still a minority, so you can't be white. So it's weird.
0: Yeah. Talk about that.
1: All right, cool. So, being light-skinned, it's weird. Like, first of all, let me start by saying I'm the only light-skinned member of my family.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: everybody else is dark. Okay. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, I'm half black, half Irish, and somehow that makes me look Dominican. So, (laughs) it's the truth. Oh, my God. I can't take it. So, growing up, people would dead ask me, like, are you you adopted? Because I don't see... And then my mom would have to fight somebody. Like... Or people would ask me, like, are you sure you're not Spanish? Like, is your is your dad Spanish? I'm like, I don't think there's any Spanish in my family at all, but I'm just black. Like, that's all I wanted to be. I just wanted to be Jamal, the black kid. Which is crazy that I have, you have a kid named Jamal, and people are questioning if he's black. Usually, that's the blackest name people could think of. Like, oh, we didn't think, there's a black kid over there. What's his name? I don't know, Jamal. Like, <laughs> and here you got a little light skinned boy. What's his name? Jamal? Like, no, it's not. His name is Juan. <laughs> His name
0: is Juan. <laughs> Julio. Yeah, I
1: I've, I've been called everything. Uh I don't know, like people would always question my racial identity. Like I it, it would I was never nobody ever approached me and just instantly knew I was black until like college. So, growing up it was and it's weird cuz it like even when people admit that you're black, then it's like everything I do is because I'm light-skinned. Like if I'm good at something, like even in comedy i've heard people say like oh he, they only found him funny because he's light-skinned he's not as mm. he's not as abrasive he's easier to he's easier to look easier to look at cuz he has nice hair I'm like no so there's a colorism line in comedy Yeah, well not not really in comedy just in i would say in in the black community in general mhm cuz like I'm not gonna lie. I take advantage of it sometimes. Sometimes if I need an excuse for something, I'll just be like, "Yo, it's because I'm light skin." Everybody's just like, "Oh, yeah, you, know, you are light skin. You are light skin as heck." Um, but it's it's the truth. Like even in college, like, growing up, people would tell me like, "Oh, it's because you're light skin. You're like you're light bright two shades from being white, so you get all this people just like you." And I'm just like, "But I have no friends. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> your story's not adding up here."
0: Were you ever teased for being light skin? All the time Cause I actually was Like I had a hard time Making friends with some girls
1: And I'm not as light as you Yeah You know Like I, to me You're not even light-skinned like, you're, But I am no. <laughs>
0: you know I use to moisturize it so you know there's that but um, <laughs> you know BB cream yes get on it you know thank you to my girlfriends who remind me that I am light skin um, but yeah no see like I used to have a hard time like girls at school just be like oh who do you think you are because you're pretty you're light skin you got long hair I used to have like long hair mm. but not anymore Um, because I was maybe that's why I'm always cutting my hair maybe that's part of it because I used to be teased mm. but maybe that could be it um, So you know, Um, because it used to be like you know long and whatever but so yeah like it's hard you know light skin troubles i used to get called like oh you belong in the house like you know house negro and oh, you yeah,
1: know that was, that was my thing too
0: yeah, yeah you know and it's like it's the struggle and so i know that there is like a thing where like people of color is kind of separate ourselves not intentionally because of color. Some people be like, oh, she thinks she this because she light-skinned. Or say, oh, well, she don't think she's this because she's dark-skinned. But it's like, but really? So I think for me, going to Spellman um, was one of the best things for me because it helped me to bridge that gap between color lines because it, all, everybody was coming together and loved yeah. themselves. And so it wasn't this light-skinned, dark skin thing where it was like, you know, back in my hood where girls would just be like, oh, who you think you is, you know? Yeah. And it was just kind of like, these are black women men from all these kind of diverse backgrounds, girls from the hood, girls from upper middle class, girls from very upper class, mm-hmm. all coming together. It didn't matter what our color was, because we all knew we were black women, and we were all here to strive. And, you know, did you have issues like that when you were at Hampton?
1: Uh, not really. Like, everybody, like, if you once you go to HBCU, everybody, even if you were white, kid, they'd be like, you got some black in you, because you here. Like... <laughs> So everybody was just like, "Oh, your name is Jamal. You're here. So you're black." There were sometimes like, you know, like if you do something, they're like, "Oh, it's because he's a light skin." Like, but like they still embraced you. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as much of a. I didn't feel as much of an outcast as I did growing up here in New York. And then like, because there's, there's so much diversity here that like, it's easy for people to classify you as ambiguous. So,
0: you are racially ambiguous,
1: yeah. I know, yeah. You are. <laughs> Confession good
0: for the soul, but bad for the reputation. When I first saw you, I was like, Who is this Latino trying to <laughs> talk Latinx? Um, you know, I really did like, no lie, I really thought you were Latino. Like, when you intercepted us on the street, I really thought you were Latin. I'm used to it, you know, <laughs> and it wasn't until you did your set, and I was like, Oh, that's street um and then when you're like yeah you know everyone thinks i'm dominican but i'm not you know in your in your um in your uh in your bit and i was like oh literally like i felt stupid (laughs) (laughs) in my seat as i was eating my nachos right and just looking like
1: but even i'm glad you said that it brings back to our original point like that's how you can use comedy to like raise awareness because like so I'm pretty sure as soon as I take the stage and they, they introduce me as Jamal, half the audience is looking at me like, "This you ain't Jamal. Jamal. This Richard is not said. Jamal." And then I start talking, and then it, it kind of shows people that black people come in all shades and colors. Yeah. And then and black people can literally be anything. And then, but also like like there's a, there's a there's a point in my bit where I talk about how when I was in college, and then like a police officer said on his radio, like we have two blacks in a possible. <laughs> like, no. It, <laughs> I
0: feel like i heard you
1: say this yeah but yeah. even even in that joke like it kind of shows that like how hard it is for to be this light-skinned and then like even racist people can't tell that you're black and all you want to do is just be black like you don't want to be anything else so like, i feel like we don't that kind of juxtaposition is that that that? Mm-hmm. Does that work here okay cool mm-hmm. Thanks, English major. You're um, <laughs> that kind of juxtaposition of being black kind of shines through through comedy. So, and I feel like in other platforms, like it wouldn't necessarily like be as clear to people as wouldn't paint as clear a picture in people's minds as that. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. So Jamal, um, last thing before um before I just kind of give you the mic to say whatever you just want to say to, you know, your new fans, followers, and you know, people of such sorts. Um, you've talked a little bit about um offline about social anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And so um anyone who follows me knows that I have talked about my anxiety and depression. I talk about, uh, Jamie and I have talked about it on Just Two Pearls that podcast, and you know, always gotta plug Just Two Pearls so you you know, if you don't follow Just Two Pearls, make sure you go listen go to Jamie Go follow
1: Just Two Pearls,
0: guys. Yes! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Come on! you did your best for your impersonation I love it Uh, we finna be friends forever yes okay Um, but yeah so we've talked about um, mental health and social anxiety um, and just managing that and being public people especially like as preachers um, we talked about how we manage that cause you know we're so public like people Mm -hmm. always want something from us in terms of like attention or just meeting their needs this that and third so you being a comic you are also a public person you have a very public platform you're before people literally before people um how do you manage that social anxiety or what kinds of things have you discovered about yourself through having social anxiety?
1: Uh it's a loaded question. Um I would say actually comedy has helped me manage it. I would say that. Cuz people don't believe me, but I used to have huge stage fright. Like if you're a little like if you're a kid who has social anxiety and you don't talk to people, the last thing you want to do is get on stage and talk to a room full of strangers. And then I did it and I was like, "Oh, well, the more the more you talk about it, the more comfortable you get with it. But like now, I'm more comfortable talking to a room full of strangers than I am talking to like two or three people one to one. But comedy teaches you how to like take that anx- anxious, nervous energy and then kind of transform it into something positive. So like people ask, people always ask me like, do you get nervous when you're on stage? Like you've been doing this so long, I bet you don't get nervous. I'm just like, what makes you think performing in front of a room full of new strangers every night? Doesn't make me nervous. That's the most nerve-wracking thing in the book. But you just take that energy. Kinda Y'all can't see me, but I'm doing like emotion. <laughs> Cause I can't find the words. But like you just kinda like let let the energy shine through you. Like so if you so let your light shine.
0: <laughs> let your light shine. Okay. Well, Yes, yeah, so Jamal um, now I want you to just go ahead and just, you know, share what you want to share what you want people to know about you you know what I'm saying, um, by following dreams, passions, and yeah, because you've got a lot of passion, you got a lot mm-hmm. of energy, you've got a lot of excitement, I mean you've gone through a lot you know, stuff that you have shared on our show um, you've been in this game for a minute, and you got stuff to say so what would you want people to know about you, and when you're done how can people find you and plug you know
1: plug yourself in gotcha all right so what you people need to know about me is i'm light-skinned but <laughs> besides that i love i just love saying i'm light-skinned but <laughs> <laughs> but no uh i will the real thing i want people i'm trying to be serious for a second the real thing i want people to know is live your dream like you don't no matter what you're going through you don't need to let your situation dictate how you live your or You don't need to you don't don't need to let your situation dictate what you do in life. Like just because you have some 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 stuff in your way, like some hard times doesn't mean that you have to kill your dreams. You can still live your dreams little by little and then you'll find your way back to it. You're in control I mean, God's in control. But like you have the free will to make decisions, to do what you want to do. And you have to decide in yourself that I love this. I need to do it. I'm going to find a way to get to it. And nothing is going to keep me away. Not even this situation. It's like, it's kind of of like you have to trust the process. Like, it's kind of like you ever be at the bus stop and then like you start getting frustrated because this bus is taking mad long. And then as soon as you leave the bus stop, that's when the bus arrives. That's what I've learned in life. Like, don't miss the bus. Like, keep waiting for the bus. The bus is going to arrive sooner or later. Don't walk away and then let the bus pass you by. And with that said, I'm from the south side of Jamaica, Queens. South side, we outside. Follow me on social media at Jamal Rich Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. Uh, jamalrichcomedy.com. And follow Comedy Ish uh, at Comedy Ish Productions on Instagram, Comedy Ish on Facebook, and Comedy Ish underscore on Twitter.
0: Awesome! Thank you, Jamal. No
1: problem. That
0: was so great having you. Oh, my goodness. You have cracked me up this entire episode. And so, Saints, I really hope you enjoyed Jamal. I hope you enjoyed um, Ishmael. I hope you enjoyed Drexton. It has been so great just featuring and highlighting the comedy-ish comics. And go out and see them. They do feature every Sunday at the Shrine in Harlem, which is um, 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Yep, a 10 o'clock cover charge.
1: $10 cover charge. $10 10 cover (laughs) charge. you're paying paying with time sorry you can, you can spend your time there but don't pay us with time it's ten dollars cover charge uh 3 p.m to 5 p.m at the shrine in harlem
0: there you go what jamal said <laughs> so um yeah and every third monday melanin mondays at sylvana yep
1: at 8 p.m that is free of charge because it's melanin you pay with your melanin uh tire is woke
0: okay (laughs) and and you are at greenwich village every
1: uh that's not a set day of the week it's kind of random. okay then never mind yeah just be on the lookout yeah you follow us on comedy ish we'll we'll post it up
0: okay great thank you so much jamal no problem all right thanks so much for joining me on another episode of portionality podcast can't wait to hear from you when you email me directly at portionality at gmail.com with your topics and with your listener questions. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at portionality. And as always, peace, light, and love and namaste to you.